If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I know we all experience that afternoon slump, but sometimes we don't want to have caffeine too late in the day. So this is when I drink Noon Brew Tea. It's so good. It's specifically designed for the afternoon to bust you out of that slump. It has 19 superfoods that help with energy, digestion, focus, and even deep sleep. It does all of this without the coffee jitters. So use the code OUTLIER for 10% off your first order. Head to noonbrew.co and remember, use the code OUTLIER. the Outlier Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conlin, and I hope everyone is having a fabulous week. I have been catching up on all of my Oscar movies. I want to tell you just about a couple, so hopefully if you have the same taste as me, I'll save you some time and tell you which ones to watch and which ones maybe to skip, but I really enjoyed The Holdovers and American Fiction. Check both of those films out if you haven't already. They're both nominated for Best Picture, and The Holdovers you can watch free, I believe on Peacock or Paramount, and that stars Paul Giamatti. And it's it's uplifting. Like, it's just one of those movies that you need to watch. I watch a lot of murder, as I'm sure you guys do if you're listening to this podcast, a lot of crime. And I just, I needed a movie like that. So The Holdovers. Oh, and Paul Giamatti got a Best Actor nod. And then American Fiction, the lead in that, Jeffrey Wright, also got a Best Actor nod. And that film still costs money. It costs cost $20, but it's so worth it. You can get it on Amazon or Apple TV. And Jeffrey Wright plays this author who is black and cannot sell a book until he sort of pokes fun at his culture. And this movie is just so well done. There's some sad parts, but there's also some really funny and smart parts that I think that everybody will enjoy. And then there was this A24 German film that I was so looking forward to. There was 
quite a bit of buzz around this movie. And I love A24 films. I loved Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler a few years ago. That was not nominated. And Adam Sandler wasn't nominated. I don't know if you remember. I believe it was 2019. I was so disappointed because I just loved it. And then A24 also did Midsummer with Florence Pugh that I also loved. So this film It's called The Zone of Interest and it's in German. So there's subtitles and I don't mind. I, you know, I love movies with subtitles and I put captions on everything I watch anyway, (laughs) because I guess I'm old now, but some of these reviews are acting like Zone of Interest is this crazy groundbreaking film. And I just didn't see it that way. And maybe I'm not deep enough, or maybe I'm just not intelligent enough to see it. Uh, I just thought it was a bit boring. I mean, they did do something that was cool. There were no close-ups in the film because they didn't have actual people operating the cameras and they didn't have actual film lighting. So the you'll notice the lighting is nothing special. It's just like daylight or it's like it's evening. Um, and they just place cameras in the different settings and people kind of walk by or do their scenes. So I guess that part is interesting if you go into the film knowing that. But the premise, it's around uh, the family of a high-ranking Nazi. His name is Rudolf Haas, and he has this beautiful home with a pool, a garden. His family is all perfect and blonde. It just, it's like the perfect life they are living. But on the other side is Auschwitz, the most horrific place uh, that you can ever think of. So he's raising this family with, a pool and and gardens and and just delicious food and they're acting like everything is fine and dandy while there are literally horrifying screams in the background gunshots human remains in the river that the family swims in i mean it's it's giving the viewer this contrast right which you would think like wow that sounds like it could be good and and it just it fell flat To me, I thought it was slow and it made me very angry. It just brought up all these feelings that I had about the Holocaust and how I just, I don't, yeah, it just, it it just got to me. I didn't feel like there was anything redeeming about it. So I personally wouldn't spend $20 on it. Um, like I just would wait until it's free and then, yeah, watch it and see what you think. And, and as a millennial, I'm so bad about using my phone during films. I really try and have to make a point to put my phone away when I'm starting a movie. But for this one, you really have to put it away because you will miss just random lines that they're saying that actually, uh, tie the plot together. So anyway, um, okay, that's that's it for movies <laughs> for today. I want to get to today's guest, award-winning investigative journalist and podcaster, founder of Tenderfoot TV and the Up and Vanished podcast, Payne Lindsay. He is straight goals. I, I just really look up to him and I am in awe of him. So a bit of background on Payne, if you don't know who he is, he is an Atlanta-based director and the co-creator and host of the hit podcast, Up and Vanished. And on the first season, Payne decided to investigate the disappearance of beauty queen and teacher Tara Grinstead, which if you are a true crimer, you know this case. It was a notorious decade-old cold case from Georgia, and they never, police never caught her killers. So at the time, 
he had hoped to develop Tara's story into a documentary film project. But as he was doing this investigation in real time, week by week, recording this audio, he just ventured into the podcasting fields. And this was back in 2016, about 10 years, that's so crazy, um, eight years ago when podcasting wasn't necessarily as popular as it is now. But the events of the next year turned Tara Grinstead's case into one of the biggest crime stories of the year because Payne helped crack that 11-year-old cold case. And, And because of his podcast, it led to two arrests. So that was just so cool that he was able to do that. So after that, he launched his Atlanta-based company, which is called Tenderfoot TV. He and his business partner, whose name is Donald Albright. And now in 2024, he's on his fourth season of Up and Vanished. And that began on February 16th. And that is called In the Midnight Sun, The Disappearance of Florence Apialik. And a bit about this season, Florence vanished from the town of Nome, Alaska on August 31st, 2020. And this town is known for its rugged Alaskan frontier. And each year in Alaska, from about mid-April to mid-August, the sun shines all day and essentially it never sets. So this means that Florence vanished in broad daylight. And again, if you are a true crimer, you know how rare this is for a missing persons case. So the Alaskan community is, it's a gold mining hub. And it it just feels very far removed from the rest of the United States. And think about this, Nome, Alaska, you have to take an hour and a half flight from Anchorage, Alaska, just to get there. And this place, it has about 4,000 people. That's it. 4,000 people reside in Nome, Alaska. So it's kind of crazy that Payne discovered that between the years of 1960 and 2004, 24 people went missing without a trace. That just gives me chills. A town of 4,000 people and all of these people go missing without a trace? So with this season of Up and Vanished, he does interviews with family as well as witnesses, and he allegedly goes undercover like we haven't seen him go on previous seasons. He notes that this season is different because he is doing this investigation in real time, updating everybody every week. And also he has another podcast where he updates everybody and that is called Talking to Death. So he'll give you a few more in-depth clips on that podcast as well. But anyway, I am just such a big fan of him and I was so excited to speak with him and just pick his brain on everything he's doing. So after this quick ad, I will play my interview with investigative journalist Payne Lindsay. My husband recently asked me for something that could help him sleep and also relax that wasn't THC or a heavy dose of NyQuil. So I gave him Next Evo CBD. They are perfect to take after a long day and a perfect transition from relaxation into sleep. They're all natural, but also really potent. And my husband just asked me to order him another jar. So head to the link in the episode notes to check these out and use my special discounts for free shipping and other bundles. Next Evo CBD, totally life-changing. 
Payne Lindsay, I am thrilled to have you join me today. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Okay, let's just get right to it because I have so many questions. How did you end up in Alaska? It started with my friend who actually works as a producer on Up and Vanish with me, who's from this tiny town in Alaska. And I guess he's still kind of on the pulse of some of the news that comes out of there. And he showed me one one night at a bar out with friends this uh, missing persons case. And it was so bizarre because the, the town was so tiny, 3,000 people or less. And the only way you can get there is by boat or plane. And this girl just vanished and it had been years and no one had any idea what happened to her. And yeah. to me, that just on the surface level seemed like that didn't make any sense. And I just started researching it for weeks. And about a month later, I discovered this email buried in my inbox from about two years ago from one of her friends that had reached out who is an up and vanished listener and had asked me to do a season on her friend's case. And so from that point forward, I was like, okay, this is, that's enough signs for me to keep going. And it's kind of been unfolding similarly to that ever since then, to be honest. I mean, and you, wow, that's incredible. First of all, uh, God, you make me want to go back through my emails and just look at stuff. Yeah, right. Because, yeah. I was like, yeah, damn, like, what else crazy. is in there? So seriously, I mean, so you, you are doing this in real time. And so I'm assuming like, are, are you in Alaska right now? No, I'm actually in LA right now. Okay. Uh, a lot All of right. the, the biggest things that I've done in this podcast that haven't come to light yet, a lot mm-hmm. of them I have done or started because I wanted to do them before the general public and the people involved in this case knew that I was doing this mm-hmm. because the landscape changes once this podcast is out for the good and for the bad. And so um, now I'm kind of just keeping tabs on a lot of different people. And I've had a lot more people come forward since the episode, since episode one has come up, come out. And um, that's always happened every season. And so I love leaving the door open for further exploration and being able to capitalize off of what the podcast is actually doing in terms of uh, giving the case a bigger spotlight. Yeah, absolutely. And and how much time did you spend in Alaska? And did you feel like that was enough time for you to speak to the people you wanted to talk to, to look around, to just sort of get a sense and an idea of what the community was like? It's it's so funny because my perception of time in Alaska is so warped at this at this <laughs> point because it takes so incredibly long to get there from where I live in Atlanta. Mm. And about a year ago when we first started going there, it was daylight almost 24-7. And I just realized that in weeks I hadn't really even seen genuine darkness. And uh, it just messes with your head. And then, you know, the opposite happens in the wintertime on our last trip there. It was mm-hmm. dark the whole time. So I got to experience both ends. And I, I feel like we we have a really good relationship with her friends and family and some of the locals there and pretty quickly were ushered into what we feel are the the persons of interest in this case and we're able to kind of hop on that right away and so we've spent a lot of our time not wasting time and so I feel like we've 
you know, as much as I'd like to spend more time doing anything, I think that we've really done a good job of maximizing our time out there. And I think that we've yielded some pretty good results through that. Oh man, I'm very excited. Uh, something I'm curious about, and I don't know, um, I don't know the politics of, of this area. And like, you know, you said it's three or 4,000 people. I'm assuming mm-hmm. they have, there's a mayor. I'm assuming there's, there's, uh, you know, a one sheriff's office or, or police uh, station and mm-hmm. people, the people that you're speaking to, the witnesses, you know, they're talking about this town. They're, they're telling you things. Is, is there any sort of um, hesitation? Are they a little nervous about what people will say? Maybe people in, in the government um, or, or, you know, people that you're sort of honing in on. Is anybody nervous about that? Yeah, everyone. I mean, I, I would say almost everyone's nervous. And I could say that I'm even nervous, right? Yeah. Um, I think that if you live in a small town, especially this small, where like everyone always says, it's like a true crime trope that, you know, they live in a small town where everyone knows each other. Yeah. But this is this is that to the nth degree where it's everyone. I mean, it's they work at the grocery store. They work at the, like or your cop is the your cousin or they work at the hospital. It's literally everyone knows each other because it's by default. Um, and so that that would gen, like generate a very rational fear that. I live here. I have to stay here. I don't want people to, you know, come after me because I said something one time, or if you're afraid of the police, it's the same thing. Um, so there's a lot of hesitation and, um, and I totally respect that and understand that, but, but there's also been a bunch of people who have had enough and are fed up with not speaking out about it, who decided to say, fuck it and just say it anyways. And I think that's super admirable. I, I do too. I mean, I, I've got a big mouth on certain things, but I also (laughs) feel like, oh, I can do this because I'm in New York and you're over here. I think, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and just going back to the police, it's almost like you're coming in and you're kind of like, Hey, you guys didn't do your job. So I'm going to do it for Mm -hmm. you. So automatically, yeah, that kind of. How would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study? People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Paints them, uh, or I guess shines light on you guys for, or I don't, like I, I am so pro-police and I, I've actually gotten bashed for saying I'm pro-police. Someone's like, how can you say that in mm-hmm. today's world? And I'm like, because not all police are corrupt and not all police are bad. Yeah, there, there's no, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, it just so happens we spotlight the ones that are bad and the ones that are corrupt because we have no choice because we need to tell these stories. Uh-huh. So you go, let's go back to when you said that it makes you nervous. Now, I experience mm-hmm. this all the time, but you are like, you know, you're very established you have a legal team, you have, you've got people, right. That are kind of going through everything and saying, no pain, you're doing this, right. You're doing everything right. But I guess you're kind of saying I'm nervous. because I don't know who the hell these people are. I don't know if they're going to knock on my hotel room and kill me. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah. Well, I'm nervous because they're really, they're always like, how do I put this? There isn't always a definitively correct answer. There's no, totally designed laid out blueprint for you to solve an unsolved missing persons case. Right. And because I am not the police and I'm floating in the realm of podcasting and journalism, it's a totally different beast. And so the, the, the world that I'm playing in and dealing in is kind of a, full of these unwritten rules and I kind of have to decide my own level of risk taking. It's not like there's even necessarily precedent for everything that's ever happened in this space. And so because I'm trying to push the boundaries and push myself out of my own comfort zone in hopes of trying to solve a case, Doing that every time, I always feel scared because I'm I'm doing a little bit more than I did last time because some of those things I got used to or I got hardened on or toughened up, they become sort of autonomous. And so I'm but I'm still like learning to ride a bike again in some weird way. Right. Um, No, that makes so much sense. And I'm I'm like. I feel like a lot of us in this world are really happy to hear you say that, that you still are like, this is a gray area. Um, you know, it's, we can say things that we hear from a source, right. And it's, Mm -hmm. they said it and they know it, but I guess I get confused. Like, is that defamation? If I, if I didn't see this happen, if they just told me it happened, but it's, you know what I'm saying? A source told me. So it's like, if I'm going to go repeat that, I always get really stressed out. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of like, you know, I, I, I believe Alaska, you, you can FOIA things in Alaska. You don't have to be a citizen. Have they been accommodating and turning things over to you and, and, you know, just the hospital and, and the police. And I'm just curious how, how that's been going. We actually got really, really lucky. And I mean, lucky because we had no luck at all with the known police department, which to be honest, wasn't that much of a surprise to me. And we were given this suggestion by 
a private investigator we've been working with who lives in Alaska and is, is a former cop and just knows how to navigate these small towns up there. Yeah. And he suggested to us that if we run into roadblocks with local police to try to submit a records request through the city. And we just did that. And somebody sent us exactly what we wanted. But then immediately after that, they sent us another email that said our request was denied. And so I don't know if somebody didn't mean to send us that or if somebody yeah. got in trouble, but it was a, it was a weird uh, dual message of here you go. Uh, and uh, no, you can't have that. And I think that we just accidentally got it and it slipped through the cracks and it was a bombshell for us because it really shines light on this person of interest and in a way that, changes the narrative forever i think wow i mean that's yeah that's very huge so did you just so when this came in request denied you just you didn't respond you didn't do you know you didn't do anything about that did you i mean you just kind of i, I did like, actually uh oh, I, I did respond okay uh I, I i didn't say this in the podcast but i i, I responded yeah. and i just said lol oh, sorry <laughs> Wait, because it, so it, it seemed because you can see that they sent this to us. It's like, it's like, are they telling me that I can't have this? Are they trying to take it back? They can't. They can't. And it's and also it's, within yeah. my rights to have it. It's not like it's some secret case file, you right. know, it's, it's I, I just kind of took it. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you're going out of your way to stop what you already gave me. I'm like, so I just hit him with the LOL. Wow. I love that. Wow. I really do love that. No, there, I think there's like eight states where you have to be a resident to submit a FOIA. And uh, my right. other, my other podcast that I, I do, I can't submit a FOIA in Tennessee. It's like the most backward. Mm, it's annoying. Ever. Yeah. It's horrible. It's horrible. So I have to rely on other people to do it. And then now yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've seen this, but I feel like, um, you know, 80% of FOIA requests from the media are getting denied now, which is, very annoying. Really? Uh, it's a That's a idea. pretty big number. It's Jeez. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. They're finding, I mean, each state obviously is different, but they're finding uh -huh. ways to be like, you don't need this. What is this going to to do for you? But, um, but no, absolutely. This is, yeah. like, this is really exciting what you've done. And I, I really, like I said, I really look up to you because I, and I don't know how true this is. I wanted to ask you like, you know, your bio mm -hmm. and, and you've said like, oh, I, I saw um, the Stephen Avery, the making a murderer. And that's how you kind of were like, wait, I should do this. I can do this. Did you really not mm -hmm. have much of a background before you yeah. literally no, yeah. in cold cases? No, I, I literally like the story of how I got into this is so completely brain dead simple. I was just watching making a murderer and the jinx in my apartment and was hating my freelance job as a filmmaker. And I was like, how does one become this? Like, how do they do this? Like, yeah. at what point did they get there? Did they just decide to do it? I just didn't understand that. And so I decided to make a podcast inspired by Serial because I loved that show. And I was, I realized that I could be immersed in an audio story like that. So I just try to make what I would want to listen to yeah. as a serial part two, but it's up and vanish and it's the investigation that I'm doing. And that's literally how it all began. 
That's incredible. I don't, I mean, like that was the Tara Grinstead. So that was, I had watched so many datelines about that. Just, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. it, it was, it was one of those cases that everybody knew about and I hate to say it, but it's because, you know, she was so beautiful and it was just, Oh yeah, of course. You know, it's that that's what happens, unfortunately. But um mm -hmm. I just was so impressed with you guys. I was just like, wow. I mean, and that's kind of what made me want to get more involved with this because I was like, wait, he really had no experience. And then boom, like Well, I should I should add this that everyone thought I was crazy as hell for doing this. Wow. <laughs> you know, like my, I was roommates with my brother and I mean, like, and I would think the same thing. Like, what are you doing, man? Like yeah. you're trying to solve a, a cold case, like get a real job. Like who, who do you think you are? Right. I mean, it sounds silly in hindsight now, but really at, at that time, there wasn't really a blueprint for this at all. It, it was more, it was stranger to do this back then than it is today. Right. The concept of a of someone becoming a podcaster with little to no experience or, you know, doing it for the first time and jumping into some true crime story. That's not as novel as it was back then, because yeah. uh, enough people have done it and successfully done it and and yielded good results and had a and had a positive impact. And so I that hadn't really happened in that way enough times yet, I don't think. And so it was a very yeah. foreign thing that, you know, your friends and family would be like, hey, like, you sure about this? You know, um, so yeah, yeah. just, no, just know that it. people were like being realistic about it. But then when it started working, everyone's like, oh, damn, well, well, what is this thing that he's doing right now? <laughs> I right? Know. I mean, you are you're a trailblazer because really this is this is way before podcasts were super popular. And, mm -hmm. you know, many people had them. Um and just going back, sorry, I'm jumping all around, but going back to oh, you're fine, yeah. uh, now, uh, season four with Up and Vanished, I, I just want to go back to your, you know, when you do zero in on someone, a person of interest, do you go to the police in Alaska and discuss this with them? Or do you keep it totally separate until you're, you've got, you know, you're, you're, I don't know what you want to say, 85% certain you have evidence that could support that this person was involved? That depends entirely on their level of involvement with me from the very beginning. And in this situation, they told me in the very beginning that they didn't want to talk to me, essentially. And we really haven't ever talked since. And so, you know, anything that I find or I have found that I think is of great interest or importance to some sort of law enforcement agency, I would probably go above their head and give it to the FBI. Because I don't think that they have a good enough track record just with the community themselves mm -hmm. to do something appropriate with viable information. They've already had the, that opportunity to do that. So you need to make, yeah, you have to go federal for this. And now this is obviously very specific, but because of your past, do you have a contact that you feel comfortable in saying, here, take this, this is, this is our guy, and then you feel confident enough that, that that person would execute and no one that I know super personally, but I, I know I have some context that I would give anything to if I felt like I needed to. Mm -hmm. And I would really, instead of just crossing my fingers and hoping that they go do something with it, I'm just going to tell the world that I gave it to them. <laughs> and, you know, 
I'm not the only one asking if you've done anything. I think that if everyone else feels this way, there's your there's your jury of public opinion on what they think should be happening in this unsolved case. Yeah. Are you going to go do anything about that? Uh, because I can't arrest anybody. All I can do is find information and present it. Right. And I guess my, I guess what I'm thinking about is like, you've got this information. You've, you've pretty much proven that this person there's, there's no way this person did not do it. Uh, mm-hmm. And, but again, like you've got cases like the Karen Reed case out of Massachusetts right now. I don't know if you've heard about that. It's so Mm-mm. vastly, it's, it's just, they think it, she kills her caught boyfriend, but the, mm. the, it's so vastly different on either side. So if you are on right. the side of the prosecution, you will read documents and read them one way. But if you're on the side where you believe that Karen Reed's innocent, you read them a completely different way. Would yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Would you ever be nervous, though, to say this guy did it? This is my side. But it's almost like there's no other side. No one else was um, refuting you. Right. Or, so how do you how do you, uh, I guess, skirt around defamation right there? If, if you know, if I, mean, you- I really just. I never really blatantly assert or declare anything. I just really kind of more so more or less pose the question. Well, what do you think happened? Yeah. Here's all this. I mean, is this the unluckiest guy in the world? Maybe. But at what point do we look at this the other way? And if he is, then what the hell really happened here? And shouldn't in some way this guy be, uh, I guess, responsible, at least just morally as a human, to clear the air here? Because, uh, or, or what? You know, it's like, it almost like the world has to like react to it on its own. You know, yeah. I, I would, I don't know for sure anything. All I know is that this is real sus. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Um, no, totally. that's it, right? And, if you yeah. disagree, then I'd love to hear your argument towards that. But right. I don't think there's a good one. Right. And I'm honestly, I'm asking you these things like for myself. Also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, so how do you know? No, totally. No, it yeah. makes sense. Like, I'm just wondering because, you know, I remember watching the, um, the it was the Menendez Menudo doc. I don't know if you saw that one, but I was like, mm-hmm. how? did they get away with making this doc and calling this guy a pedophile and saying that he right. people, Edgardo Diaz or whatever, and he's uh-huh. never been arrested. How do they get around that without Paramount having any lawsuits or anything like that? I was amazed and it, it made me excited a little bit where I was like, wow. You yeah. Know, like there are, I mean, if it's people- true, then, you know, it, like defamation, slander, all, that stuff doesn't even matter unless it's not true. If you yeah. did something really bad and it's true, then that's just a fact. You could say that you didn't and lie and try to sue me for that, but now you're opening yourself up for further examination and inspection. And are you willing to do that if you really, you know, did it? <laughs> I think a lot of people aren't because they're setting themselves up for the ultimate failure, right? No, you're right. Because yeah, that right there, it's like, oh, you didn't do it? Okay, let's let's hit discovery right here. Let's make sure we know that you didn't do it. If you really want to see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Is your attorney going to feel the same way? What what attorney are you going to find that feels so strongly that's not going to 
that's really going to put in the work here to defend you. I think the only time that maybe wouldn't work is if, you know, you're dealing with government corruption. Um, but what, right, I don't know. right. Yeah, that's the only time you'd be like, Oh shit. You know? Um, but is there anything else that you, you know, you want to tell just, uh, the listeners just about the show and what they can expect or, um, anything else that you want to plug? Yeah. I just think that if you're listening to up and vanished, um, when will this come out? This, this episode, this Friday, okay. which is so, uh, March 1st. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that, you know, and I, I've said this before, but I, I feel like a majority of the time, and maybe it's just 51%, mm. but a majority of the time in cold cases, true crime cases, it's always the simplest answer. And it's very easy to create and manufacture so many other ways things could have happened because we have great imaginations. And when there's missing pieces, it, it allows you to go different places. Now that's not always the case, but I think in Florence Occhiolic's disappearance, the answer is the simplest answer. Oh, I just got chills. Ugh. I feel like I I'm like so excited to listen and, and just reiterating what you said. You've got a town a small town that you can only get to by boat or by plane. And you also mentioned, yeah. or you didn't mention on this, but uh, on the trailer, I believe it was, or something, almost 30 people have gone missing without a trace in the last. There's a strange years. history of yeah. that. And um, yeah, um, yeah for its weird. population size, very strange. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know why exactly that is. There's definitely some environmental elements at play but still it's uh, for for the p town's population it just doesn't really make sense why there's always been so many missing people unsolved missing persons cases from them. yes exactly unsolved not like oh they they died of hypothermia they whatever yeah like yeah. where are they where did they go we never knew yeah that's crazy so creepy. Oh my gosh. Well, Payne Lindsay, thank you so much. I'm going to plug everything um in the episode notes and yeah, I can't wait to listen. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. Okay. That was Payne Lindsay. And I love talking to him. I feel like I just want to be him. Um, no, sorry. That sounded creepy, but I am planning on listening and starting the podcast on Friday. I know it sounds crazy that I have a day that I'm going to start it, but, uh, Friday I need to get my nails done and I do dip, which lasts about three weeks. I don't know if anyone else does this, but seriously, the place I go takes like over 90 minutes. It's such a waste. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but anyway, so I'm going to get my nails done and start the Up and Vanish podcast. And I'm very, very excited. All right. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to rate and subscribe on Apple or wherever you listen. Leave me a review. I would really, really appreciate it. Oh, and for those of you that have been following this podcast or some of my work because of my coverage on the Karen Reed case, I do have another expert that I will be interviewing for next week. He is a one-time, very high-profile criminal defense attorney, and he's actually been on court TV talking about this case as well. So you will hear everything he has to say next week, and I'll probably announce his name. Uh, maybe Monday or so. Um, all right. <laughs> Again, thank you everyone for listening to The Outlier. Until next time. Mm -hmm. 
what's your New Year's resolution? Mine was to get better at creating online content. I am busy, like everyone else, but with Skillshare, you can connect with a global community of creators. Skillshare offers thousands of online, one-off classes, and you decide when you want to take them. You can literally work on everything from your art and drawing skills to creating online content. I literally took a class from a girl who showed me the best way to use multiple ring lights, and my video content has never looked better. Head to the episode notes to use my link to get your free month of Skillshare. Share.